Daily Dribble. And welcome back to the Daily Dribble podcast, guys. As always, I'm your host, Nick Zamet. Here back with a little solo episode for our NBA Focus Show of the Week. Thrilled to be here once again. It's been an action-packed week from everything from All-Star Weekend to a multitude of free agents being picked up. The news has certainly been non-stop, relentless, just how we like it. Uh, this this time of year often serves as a bit of an opportunity to kind of hit the reset button, refresh you know, a couple of days without games, and kind of refocus going back, you know, into the last couple of weeks of regular season games before the playoffs. But it hasn't really felt the case this year. As I said, it's just been a constant stream of news, a constant stream of action. But I wouldn't rather have it any other way. So stoked to be back this week, guys. Before we get into the show, a big shout out to both Stadium Scene and the Cover. Two fantastic networks doing fantastic things for not only us, but a multitude of other content creators out there. Certainly appreciate all their continued love and support of our good work here at The Daily Dribble. Likewise, a big shout out to you guys, the listeners. During the week, oh, the listeners and the followers, should I say, uh, during the week had a lot of really good engaging chat. Engaging, they weren't so much chats, they were probably more conversations. That's probably more an adept way of putting it. Um, some really great conversations with you guys out there regarding everything from All-Star Weekend to Russ being picked up by the Clippers. Um, really, really loved talking with each and every single one of you this week. So be sure to keep it coming, guys. Follow all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Subscribe wherever you listen to the show, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube if you tend to watch it. Um, love engaging with every single one of you. So just a, a big pat on the back and a big shout out to you guys out there. Really appreciate all the love. Right, enough of the housekeeping. Let's get into things, guys. A quick recap on All-Star Weekend. I won't dwell on this for too long, um, but we'll just touch on each event, how it all went down. We'll start first and foremost with the Rising Stars game. Now, not too much to report on this one, but I will say I quite like the format, the way they're doing it now with the four teams. Uh, I think it's just a nice, fresh, engaging way of... um, you know, keep, I guess just keeping things fresh, that is, that's essentially what it is. Uh, things for the All-Star Weekend have grown stagnant over the last couple of years, and I know they've tried to amend that with the Elam ending, uh, the changing to the Rising Stars game. You know, the skills competition's taken on a bit of a new format as well. Um, but I, I really do quite like the format that the Rising Stars game is going with now. In this one, Team Power took out the game, defeating Team Gyokim 25-20, to um, Jose Alvarado was named MVP for this one. Also the only undrafted player to feature in this one. So a really tremendous achievement for him just kind of adds to his growing resume and footprint that he's having within the league at the minute there, uh, having a phenomenal season in his own right for the Pelicans. Outside of that, though, it was great to see Scoot Henderson suit up for Team Jason. Again, a guy we're going to be hearing a lot more and seeing a lot more of in the coming months. Uh, but across the 12 minutes of game time, he saw he had four points, two assists, and two steals. Very, very excited to see what he'll do in the league. And I think it's almost been almost a little bit underdone how good he is, just purely for the fact with Victor Wenbenyama coming in, you know, all the headlines, all the attention has really been focused towards him. Uh, that being said, I think Scoot's going to turn some heads in his own right as well. So great to get a little bit of a sample in that one from him. The hometown favourites, Team Jazz, featuring Walker Kessler, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton, took out the skills challenge. Again, not a lot to report on this one, but again, just liking the way how the 
the actual events taken on a bit of a different shape over the last couple of years. The team format, um, you know, it's certainly not the most engaging of the events across the weekend, but nevertheless, still good that they're the league's trying to implement new things. Um, that being said, for me, in my own eyes, I would love to see them, and it's been rumoured a little bit, I'd love to see them do a bit of a 1v1 competition, something like that. How exciting, how engaging would that be? You know, the value that would add to All-Star Weekend, if we're getting to see, it doesn't even have to be the top, top-tier talent within the league, but some some pretty noteworthy players going 1v1 versus each other. I could not think of anything better. Ultimate bragging rights as well. Um, just something I would look into if I was the league. Just something to keep, again, keep things a little bit fresher, a little more engaging. Um, the way All-Star Weekend went down this year, a lot of reports out there suggesting that it was one of the worst in terms of ratings for the actual All-Star game itself, uh, one of the worst in recent memory. So, you know, I think that kind of gives a little more credence to the fact that things need to change. The dunk contest. Our Mr. G League himself, Mac McClung, took this one out. Just been signed by Philly, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love this. I think it's fantastic for him. The fact across his career earnings, he's made $105,000. From winning this event in its own right, he won an additional $100,000. So fantastic for him. Love the energy he came with. Faced off against Trey Mur- Pelicans player Trey Murphy there in the final. Um but McClung just rattled off a couple of 50-point games, and that was all she wrote. Guys, with all these events, as I said, I won't speak too much about them, but be sure to go check out the highlights because this dunk contest was probably one of the better over the last couple of years. Um, The battle between Murphy and McClung at the end there wasn't quite on the same level of uh, Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, but nevertheless, quite a a good good dunk contest in its own right. So it it was great to see that, and... You know, I'm all for backing the underdog. So fair play there for Mac McClung. Damian Lillard. Now, I picked this last week. Uh, speaking of Rowan on last week's episode, we gave our predictions for these couple of events. I think I pretty much hit the nail on the head with all three. Uh, backing McClung, backing Team Jazz, and then for this one, backing Damian Lillard in the three-point competition. Um, you know, it's, it's probably always a favourite, this event of mine. You know what you're going to get. It's just exciting. It's good seeing the best shooters in the league really do their thing. Um, in the final, we had Buddy Hield, Damian Lillard, and Tyrese Halliburton, the two Pacers teammates there. Uh, Buddy, in his final round, dropped 25. Halliburton, 17. And Dame clinched to the victory with a score of 26. Um, fantastic. Again, probably because he's just playing in the era of Steph Curry at the minute. Almost underdone how good a three-point shooter Dame is. Like he's going to be right up there, probably probably finish his career second in all-time three points made. Um, he really is a phenomenon, and it's just a shame, given his career so far, that he hasn't had the, the team success he would like. Um, but on an individual level, this guy is phenomenal. Just a quick shout-out, though, to Tyrese Halliburton, who did make the final. Uh, he tied the record with Steph Curry for the most amount of points in a single round across the three-point competition, dropping... 31 points in his opening round. Tremendous, tremendous performance from him and a tremendous season he's having as well in his own right. He's just, he is a stud. He's getting better and better. His transition from Sacramento over to the Pacers, we've spoken about it quite extensively. You know, that trade involving Sabonis, who was the real winner? Who was the loser out of that one? Both teams have come out with just a dynamite player and the steps that Halliburton's making, the way he's fitting in with this team, kind of being the face of the franchise there. Uh, his game's just going from strength to strength, illustrated by how well he's shooting the three ball. 
Transitioning to the All-Star game itself, Team Giannis finally got a victory in this one, winning 184 to 175 in what was described as one of the worst All-Star games in recent times. Um, you know, there were some huge performances, and that's a given, given the way the scores were run up. Um, but in this one, Jason Tatum clinched, clinched the MVP. He put on quite a showing. He dropped 55 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, went 10 of 18 from three, recording a new all-time high score in the All-Star game, 55 points, as I said, phenomenal. The Elam ending, uh, which I've been a huge advocate of over the last couple of years, I, I think it's brought a new intensity, a new injection of life to the game. It didn't quite have the same effect this year, and that's largely in part due to Team Giannis being up by 17 points heading into that last quarter, only requiring a further 24 points, whereas Team LeBron had to rattle off 41. Um, but yes, as I said, argued by some as the worst All-Star game in recent times, just due to the ridiculous lack of defense in this one, it, uh, it really was laughable. Um, and I know I've seen a lot of debates raging on during the week. You know, these lads, they play an 82-game season. A lot of them are going into the playoffs after that. Are they allowed one night off just to kind of take the mickey, have fun with it? Yeah, okay, I see the side of that. But the actual, in that case, why even bother? I'm, I this. You know, this game had no appeal whatsoever for me after the first couple of minutes and I saw the way it was being played. Um, it, it just felt a shame. As I said, given the strides it's made over the last couple of years, that Elam ending really increased the intensity of the game. But it felt like all that good work was undone this year. And it kind of begs the question, what can they do to fix it? Here's my thought. Now, this was an idea I heard throughout the week. I think if the All-Star game is to kind of fix its fix its ways and kind of, you know, instill a little bit of um a little bit of magic back into it, I would set up Team USA versus Team World for the All-Star game. That's how I would set it up. I think it would just make for a much more compelling product, uh, a lot higher intensity product. There's a bit of bragging rights there as well. Uh, I think it's been rumored for quite a while now. But I just think that is the next move to be made if we're to uh, actually bring a little bit of hype to the All-Star game once again. Because at the minute, it's a, it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse competition and to a certain extent, almost a bit of a Mickey Mouse weekend. Um, so I think the whole whole system needs a revamp. There needs to be some incentive. And I think having that bragging rights, Team World versus Team USA, I think would certainly certainly bring that. So... Guys, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up. Hit up the socials. I'll put up something during the week. I'd love to hear what you think. If you guys have any other ideas out there that you think could make All-Star Weekend great again, let us know. I would love to hear it, and I'll be sure to share them on the show next week. Okay, guys, let's move ahead. Daily Dribble. Now, I've kind of done it back to front. We're kind of going to go into some key takeaways, kind of an odds and ends section um, for the most notable news that's occurred throughout the week, there's certainly been some big, big talking points within this. Uh, first and foremost, starting with the news that the Atlanta Hawks have dis- dismissed head coach Nate McMillan. Now, the Hawks, they currently sit eighth in the Eastern Conference with a 29-30 and 30 record. Clearly wasn't good enough to keep his spot. We know throughout the start of the year, there was quite a bit of disharmony between himself and Trey Young uh, earlier in the season. You wonder what bearing that relationship had on this on this decision. Um, I dare say it probably would have played a significant role given Trey is the franchise cornerstone there. Uh, but they're, they're not mucking around the Hawks. 
They're already having formal discussions with former Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, looking to make it a pretty swift hire, as you would suspect, given where the season currently stands. You know, 25, 25 or so games to go for the Hawks. They would want to be looking at getting, say, Quinn as a hypothetical, getting Quinn Snyder in there, getting him enough time to gel with this team and implement his own style uh, because they're going to be in the plane at elite. So you want to get things clicking right at that back end of the season. And I think probably 20 to 25 games is the minimum that you would want a head coach to come in with. So yeah, big news there out of Atlanta. Um, It was also in positive news. It was great to hear that Giannis avoided serious damage to his right wrist after further testing the other day. Looks likely that he'll miss a few games, but hopefully shouldn't be too long till we see him back once again. Again, for the Bucks at the minute, they're currently riding a 12-game win streak, sitting at 41-17, and 17, just a single game back there of the Celtics. Um, but, you know, it's not the worst worst point in the season. But Giannis, just to get a little bit of rest, you know, certainly get this injury right, um, but to let the body heal all the aches and bumps, come into the back end of the season, into the playoffs, fresh and fit, as we've said, the Bucks have the oldest core within the league. So having them all operating at 100% is pivotal. Is pivotal if they're to go far and potentially clinch another championship, which I think is well within the realms of possibility. Another team that's probably in the forefront of people's minds at the moment in terms of title contention is the LA Clippers. Uh, now, as much as I hate to say it, I'd rather be talking about the other team in LA. Um, but the Clippers have just... It's just ridiculous how deep they are. With the acquisition of Wessel, Wessel, it gets me every time when I try and say it quick, quickly. Russell Westbrook, uh, former Lakers player, there. He's uh, their their depth is just off the show at the minute. The moves they made, and we spoke about this the other week, even prior to Westbrook's inclusion. You know, adding Eric Gordon, adding Bones Highland, adding Mason Plumley, now Russell Westbrook. Um. This is really a, an incredibly deep and dynamic team. I think they're probably one of the four, well, probably one of the front runners in the West now. Um, you know, they've really made some strides. They're currently fourth at the moment in the West, only a single game back a third there, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they've been kind of sneaky the way they've climbed up the standings because it, it hasn't all been smooth sailing this year. Uh, but for me, I think, and I put up a post during the week, a lot of you engaged with that one around the acquisition acquisition of Westbrook. And I kind of made the point that I think whichever team he went to, and probably more so the Clippers now, there needs to be some really strict parameters onto what he does. And now it'll be interesting whether they play him as a starter with PG, Kawhi, um, you know, Zubach and probably Marcus Morris there, or whether they have him coming off the bench. Now, he, he needs a very short leash. Like he's still a phenomenal player. And I, I love Westbrook. Um, as infuriating as he has been at times as a Lakers fan. I, I love him. I love his energy. I love his enthusiasm. His decision-making at times leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, but I think on this Clippers team, if Ty Lue can kind of harness that energy, I think he's quite a big pickup. And he's just he just gives another dimension to this team, another guy who can handle the ball, who can create shots, create others, um, push the pace, which I think this team could probably look to do a little bit more just with the players they've got. Um, I, th- I think it's a tremendous pickup. And, and for me, the Clippers are right up there. If you're looking at teams in the West at the moment, you're probably looking at the Nuggets, Phoenix, and probably the Clippers as the top three, I would say at the moment. Uh, that would probably be my top three. So I certainly expect them to make some waves 
again, great timing, you know, 20 to 25 five games before they get into, into the playoffs. Um, watch out for the Clippers. They are going to be a team to be reckoned with this year. I certainly think if Stevie Ballmer's uh, got his say, he'd be hoping this is the year because so far the Clippers experiment has been pretty bumpy and rocky. But I think if there ever to be a chance to win a title this year is as good as any. Pushing ahead, guys, a couple of blokes are getting 10-day contracts. Now, I'll rattle through these pretty quickly. They're not huge household names, so we won't linger on it for too long. But former Heat player Myers Leonard, he's been out of the league since March 2021, uh, came off the back of his anti-Semitic comments, also had fusion neck surgery. Um, He's getting a 10-day opportunity with the Milwaukee Bucks. Former number five overall pick Chris Dunn is signing a 10-day contract with the Utah Jazz. Likewise, Frank Jackson also has a 10-day contract with the Utah Jazz. So, you know, not too much to make note of here. Um, for me, probably Myers Leonard being the pick, I still think he could offer offer quite a bit to the Heat. Um, his versatility, his ability to shoot the three ball, stretch the floor, I think probably gives him the most upside out of these three players. And just speaking of the Heat, um, another semi-big who can shoot the three ball the through ball. I'm on fire today. I tell you what, who can shoot the three ball is Kevin Love. Joining from the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's averaged eight and a half points, seven rebounds, two assists for the Cavs this season. Um, they'll certainly be hoping down there in South Beach that he can make some threes because this team has really, really struggled on that side of the offensive end, shooting the three ball after being one of the premier teams last year in this regard. They've really, really been struggling. And because of that, you know, their offense doesn't look anywhere near as potent. They're currently sitting seventh with a 32 and 27 record, yet they don't look like the contenders they've, they've been over the last couple of years. So he is hoping, you know, if Myers Leonard gets a spot, Kevin Love, these guys can make a few shots and kind of get those percentages back up because I really think their success, you look at Tyler Hero, even Jimmy when he's knocking them down, uh, the players they've got on their roster, they've got to be making threes to be in these games. So, Hopefully, these guys can be a catalyst for that. In other news, the Orlando Magic are waiving former New Zealand Breakers player and Orlando Magic player, um, RJ Hampton. Across 14 minutes per game this season, he was averaging a tick under six points on 44% from the field. For me, this was just a move that the Magic just simply have so many young players. Someone had to give way. Um, And you look at the players they've got in that young core, he was, he was the one that made the most sense. Um, after clearing waivers per Woj, expect him to sign with the Pistons. Really seems to be a place at the moment for almost rehabilitating these young players that are, you know, in some people's eyes, seen as a bust. We look at James Wiseman there, Marvin, uh, Marvin Bagley. You know, they've, they're almost, a, um, almost seen as a tip shop, kind of restoring value in otherwise broken pieces. So he's hoping RJ can do that as well because I, I, I think he's shown flashes. Even when he was in the NBL, in his time in the Magic, he's shown enough to kind of warrant another chance within the league. Um, and he's hoping he, he gets that crack at the Pistons. Will Barton. He has completed a contract buyout with the Wizards. He'll become a free agent once he clears waivers, which would kind of open him up to joining a potential playoff team. Now, I had a bit of a think about this during the week. He's, he's not a name who really leaps off the page. He's not going to be a a match-winning player, but he could certainly provide quite a serviceable role, I think, to many squads. The one that came to mind most was probably the Sacramento Kings. Now, 
Not that they really need it, but he could certainly add some additional shooting and just a bit of grit and grind play, I think, to kind of nurture some of those younger players they've got. Hopefully bring a little more hustle, a little more of a defensive identity because at the minute, and it's been the case time and time and time again with the Sacramento Kings, for as good as they are on the offensive end, on the defensive end, they just seem to leak points. It really, there's no, uh, it's like the floodgates are just constantly open for this team. But I think I think Barton, if he were to go somewhere, and again, no rumours have been made as such at the moment, but I would like to see Sacramento possibly go after him here. So again, another point, guys, I'd love to hear from you. Where do you think Will Barton should or will end up? Last point here, guys. Now, I say it with a heavy heart for my main man, Apex, our resident Bulls fan, put up a post on this one during the week as well. Lonzo Ball is expected to be shut down for the remainder of the season. A big, 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 big shame. It, it really is. The talent this guy possesses, his on-court IQ, um, the strides he made, in particular on the offensive end last year with shooting the three ball, it's just horrible to see him miss the whole season. Um, and I think for the Bulls, it really has just thrown a huge spanner in their works. They've tried to replenish that. They've picked up free agent Pat Beverly during the week, um, who will bring some much-needed pig to this team. But, you know, the, the Bulls currently reside in the 11th position, 26 and 33, a couple of games back of the Raptors and the Wizards there. They're in a real funny position of not being bad enough to bottom out but not being good enough to actually make any waves in the East, I don't think. Um, had they have had Lonzo and had him from, from season start, it could have been a different story. And now I speak about it quite heavily. Like last season, we look at how the Bulls started. They were leading the Eastern Conference with that kind of that, with Lonzo in the team, with DeMar, with Vooch, with Levine, um, and looked really compatible and capable together. But since his, uh, his injury woes have come into the forefront, the Bulls just look like a different team. And uh, you know, coming into the offseason pretty quickly, I think moves need to be made there. Um, I, I think Vooch is probably the biggest candidate for that. But depending which route they go, they could, you know, completely offload everyone. Levine, DeRozan, Vooch, really start from the ground up, uh, which at this point probably isn't the worst idea in the world because I, I just think they're going to be wallowing in that, uh, that mediocrity that we've spoken about for so long with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I just don't see them going anywhere. But again, a huge, huge shame there for Lonzo, for Bulls fans alike out there. Um, he's hoping Pat Beverly can be your Lord and Saviour because God only knows he's going to have a big job on his hands if you guys are to make the play in. There wraps up a quick little news, news cycle from the, throughout the week. Um, some really fascinating points there, some real fascinating storylines still to unfold over the last 20 to 25 games for all these franchises. I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, there's some incredibly tight races for playoff and play-in spots at the moment. And it just, it almost makes every game must win. As a Lakers fan, I'm certainly feeling that at the moment, every game is essentially a must win game, um, which for as exciting as that is, it's also incredibly nerve wracking. Uh, just as I wrap up, we're facing the Golden State Warriors today. So by the time you listen to this one, I'll be either very, very happy or very, very sad. Um, certainly a lot riding on that game, guys. So I'll get into that one. As I've said, really appreciate you continuing still to rock with us, following all the socials, following the show. Uh, really, really means a lot to us. Be sure to tune in next week, Monday night. I'll be running my NBL 
finals prediction show, giving all my hot takes and analysis for the upcoming NBL final series between the Sydney Kings and the New Zealand Breakers. I'm chomping at the bit to get into that one. Not quite as much as if it was the Tassie Jack jumpers in there, but nevertheless, still going to be a phenomenal series in its own right. So I hope you guys can join me for that one. But until next week, guys, enjoy the week. Enjoy basketball. Enjoy having basketball back. I know for myself, having those couple of days without games was it was quite depressing, to be fair. Uh, I kind of felt like a bit of a lost puppy. So certainly glad to have ball back in our lives. Have a fantastic week, though, guys. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Bye.